0: Think about holding that three pounds in your hand. But we're thinking about what's, what's your thoughts, because those are things that you do all the time. Now, we're going to look at Exodus 3 in just a moment, but I have got my um, iPad here. I've got my Mac Bible. I bring my study Bible, one of many, every time I speak, and you're like, oh, no, here he goes again. This old guy's going to tell us to get up actual book for a Bible and I always do and I got a phone I've got Bible on my phone it's all good but I on the way this morning I was thinking when you when you buy a study Bible now the one that you have in the uh, back of the chairs is not a study Bible it's just the text but in a study Bible you've got the top of it's got the text and the bottom's got all kinds of notes that tells you helps you understand what it's all about and I was thinking when you get a study Bible you're getting deliberate because you can, you can see your devotion on your phone, you know, wherever you are every day. But if you get a study Bible and you put it somewhere like in your kitchen, you're going to go there. You're going to open it up. You're going to read it. So I really encourage you unashamedly, go online, get a study Bible, and it will help you deepen your spiritual life. What's in your hand? We're going to look at Exodus 3. Exodus <clears> 3. <throat> You're familiar with the story that uh, Moses had been a uh, baby boy adopted by the uh, princes of Egypt. He'd been raised in the palace, and when he got to be about 40 years old, he was out among the Israelites who were slaves and saw an uh, uh, Egyptian taskmaster beating one, and and so he uh, killed that Egyptian and tried to bury him, and uh, but he was found out, and he had to to get out of Dodge, out of Egypt. And so he fled to the back of this mountain, uh, met his wife, had some kids, became a shepherd. And that's what he's doing. It's 40 years later. So he's like 80 years old now. And Moses is uh, shepherding sheep, got his staff, and he sees a bush that's on fire. And it's not burning up. Now, he hadn't, he hadn't seen something like this before. So he stops, and he uh, regards it, and when he does, in uh, Exodus 3, verse uh, 4, uh, God calls to him, Moses, uh, come over here. Then verse, verse 6, God said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So in other words, God identifies himself to Moses as being the one who called Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And probably in the Israelite community there, even though they were slaves, the stories about their heritage, about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, about someday there would be someone come and God would take them out of slavery and into a promised land. So Moses knew these things, but he is a fugitive on the backside of the mountain. And here, uh, away away from his, where his homeland was, God interrupts his day and tells him who he is. And then God goes on to say, I have seen the misery of my people. I have remembered. I am, it is time for them to be taken out of slavery and into the promised land. And then verse 10, God says to Moses, So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, in the next verse where Moses answers, I want you to tell me what is in Moses' head. We know what's in his hand, but but from his answer, you tell me what's his thoughts, what's in his head. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What's What's in his head? What's his state of mind? fear but even more primal than that he's got an identity crisis who am i i'm no oh lord god i i tried this before and it didn't work i mean in case you don't remember that's why i'm here by a burning bush and not in the palace you're sending me back don't you realize there's a price on my head who am i i've failed he has an identity crisis. He has, his self-esteem is shot. Who am I? Who am I? Now, in, in a way that is rational, because if God approaches any of us with a, a vision of a mission he wants us to do, if it's God-sized, it's, it's beyond what I can do, and, and I can legitimately say, well, who am I to do that task? I mean, that's, that's okay, but Moses is way beyond that. Who am I to do this? And then the next thing that God says to him in verse uh, 12, I will be with you. Does that answer his question? (laughs) Who am I? God could have given him a resume. Well, you are Moses. You were raised in the palace, yada, yada. But he, he doesn't even answer his question. He says, I'm with you. And that's what God still says to us. When it's time to love God and love people, and loving the people that God has put you in front of or with is a little overwhelming and scary, God is saying, I am with you. I am with you. Now think about this. We're, I don't know how many hundreds of miles on the backside of a mountain, and Moses had been told to go back to Egypt and go, and just with the promise, God says, I am with you. And verse 13, so Moses is not done. Tell me what's in his head from this response. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name. Then what shall I tell them? What's in his head here? What's that? Who are you, you? but what authority do I have? If I go and just tell them uh, this burning bush sent me. <laughs> hey, guys, burning bush sent me back to take you out. It's like, oh, yeah, come on, Moses. So, so who shall I say sent me? What is your name? Now, why does he ask what is your name? What was the name Abraham knew God as? What? No. What? You're an Old Testament scholar. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Charlie. <laughs> Either Adonai or El Shaddai or something like that. God had not revealed his covenant name even to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. And so uh, this is just crazy what, what God says next. Uh, he said, who shall I say sent me? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say. I am has sent you, has sent me to you. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God, the Adonai of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my new covenant name. And what is that covenant name, I am that I am? What is it that we know that kind of as now? Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, it's really interesting. I am that I am. If you're a Hebrew person and you say Yahweh, you're actually saying I am that I am. It's kind of like if, if uh, Moses had been Hispanic and, and God would have said, uh, Estoy bien todo el tiempo. That's, that's your name? What does that mean? Esto bien. What is that? I am todo el tiempo. I am good all the time. Your name is Estoy Bien Todo El Tiempo? I mean, that's, that's essentially what Moses heard. Jehovah, Yahweh, I am that I am. And God said, this is the name you'll know me. This is my covenant name. All, the, all before had been titles, and this is his name. And God said, They'll, I'll be known by that. Use that name. Ironically, the Jewish people... Um, got religious on this, and refused to pronounce or write God's name. In Hebrew, there were just the consonants, and you had to have the oral teaching to know what the vowels were. And so they stopped using the vowels, and so no one knew how to pronounce. I mean, best best we know now it's Yahweh, but nobody's really sure because it's been law. I mean, how could they, how could they lose God's name when he says, this is my name, I'll be known by forever? Ah, huh, that's just a sidetrack. Isn't that interesting? It's bien, todo tiempo. That's my name. And so uh, God told him his name. And then he told him, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to send you to the elders. They're going to believe you. And, and then in, in verse 21, I'll make the Egyptians favorable. You will plunder the Egyptians. You not only will be free, you'll take all their stuff. And you'll be free, and I'll take you to the promised land. And you're thinking, Moses is like, where do I sign? Sign me up. I'm good to go now. I mean, you've told me who you are. You'll be with me. You've given me your name. And you told me that we're going to plunder the Egyptians. Let's go get them. And so, in verse chapter four, verse one, he says, "What if they do not believe me or listen to me when I say the Lord did not?" And they say, "The Lord did not appear to you." What's in his What's in his mind? Doubt, and what else? Is this beginning to to strike some themes with you as far as what Moses is thinking? What's in his mind? Insecurity. Uh, lack of identity, doubt, self-doubt, fear, recrimination, inadequacy. Is this beginning to strike some themes that we all have in our minds? Uh, Not just when we're talking to God, but just kind of any time. And that's when God says, what's in your hand? And so Moses, all right, three pounds here. My brain. And, um, obviously it's not working really well because I've refused you three times. I've questioned you and, uh, I don't, I don't want to go. Um, what if I go? And, and and so God said, pick the staff up. Charlie preached on this, throw it down. It's a snake, pick it up. And, um, and that's pretty good trick. And, and he said, you, you show those guys that and they will believe that I've sent you. And then he gives him another sign. So, after all of that, now we've got tangible signs. You would think Moses would say, Where'd I sign? But <laughs> Moses says in verse 10 of chapter 4 Pardon your servant, <laughs> Lord. Pardon your servant. Estoy bien todo tiempo. I've never been eloquent, nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to me. I'm slow in speech and tongue. What's his mind thinking? I'm inadequate. I'm not up to the task. I can't do it. I mean, he's saying here, I, just, I can't speak it. He, he's speaking to say I can't speak. <laughs> and God says, who do you think made the tongue? <laughs> uh, and, and in verse uh, yeah, 11, God says, you know, I made the tongue... Uh, go, I'll help you speak, and I'll teach you what to say. So now you should be good to go. Go, I will help you do what I ask you to do, and I will tell you what to say. And, and so, verse 13, you think Moses would say, all right, where do I sign? <laughs> no. He says, pardon your servant, Lord, please send somebody else. What's in his mind? Is there certainty in his mind? Is there security in his mind? Is there trust in his mind? No. No, the opposite of all that. The same themes, the same thought patterns that plague all of us. If God says what's in your mind as you are before him in worship today, and he were to give you a mission, you probably would have those questions. Who am I? are you sure? What, what's your name again? I didn't get that. Uh, maybe I'll send somebody else. And the next verse says God's anger burned against him. I mean, he pissed God off. <laughs> four four uh, objections. And, and, and God, it says God's anger burned against him. And he finally said, uh, okay, your brother's on the way. I'll tell you what to tell your brother, and your brother will talk to Pharaoh. We'll do it that way. Moses reluctantly agrees. You know the rest of the story. They go, and there's ten plagues, and they get them out. But the point is, what's in your mind? What's on your mind? What's your mental state? Is it insecurity? Is it doubt and distrust of God? Uncertainty, fear? Inadequacy? What, what is your brain anyway? Well, I told you it's three pounds of, 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 of material, but in that, and this is really cool because neuroscience has discovered through brain scans and, and chemical analysis and all that kind of stuff, that there are 100 billion cells in your brain. That, that's more than stars. And, and, and every cell has, every, every cell is a neuron. Every cell has an axon, which is a sending unit. And it has a dendrite, which is a receiving unit. Every cell, 100 billion. There are trillions of connections possible in your brain, physically. And it's going all the time. Did you know you have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day? I mean, it's probably hard to concentrate no matter who's saying what because your your brain is constantly working, constantly sending you a, uh, a commentary. You've got a play-by-play and a color commentary guy in your brain. All the time, going on, talking to you, talking to yourself, that's your brain. In fact, Proverbs 23, 7 says that um, as a person thinks in his mind so is he you're not who you think you are you are what you think did you write that down you're not who you think you are if I ask you who you think you are you would say well I'm a good person and then you would follow up by saying well I'm not perfect I mean your conscious thoughts about yourself would be one thing right but your subconscious thoughts, your identity, your core, would be something different. You're not who you think you are. Well, I think I'm this. You are a sum total of what you think. What are your thoughts? At the end of the day, you were able to have a computer printout, and you saw a printout of your thoughts verbatim and the pictures that you th- pictured in your mind. That's who you are. Are you fearful? Are you Courageous? Are you focused on taking care of yourself primarily, loving God, loving people? What, what are your thoughts? Because that's who you are. It can't be any other way. That's what the Bible says. And, and neurosi- <laughs> neuroscience is confirming what was written 3,000, 2,000 years ago in the Bible about our brain and about mental health. Now, like I said a moment ago, you, you think 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. Many studies have been done. Uh, <clears throat> one, one where uh, cell phones were given to a whole bunch of people, and uh, they were instructed that when they, it beeped, they were to say verbatim into the phone exactly what they were thinking. Don't change it. Verbatim. They discovered that the vast majority of people's thoughts were negative. What are negative thoughts? I'm no good. I'm such a klutz. You're a loser. Negative thoughts. What are negative thoughts? Um, What's going to happen to me? Oh, I can't take care of that. They don't like me. What do they think of me? Negative thoughts. I don't have what it takes. That's what Moses thinks. I don't have what it takes. Negative thoughts... For dominating. And I can prove it to you. Um, if I say, um, the Broncos are probably going to lose tonight to the Chiefs, you would say, yeah, probably. But if I were to say, the Broncos are going to win tonight over the Chiefs, you would say, don't, don't jinx it. Don't they the are they playing the Rams? Yeah. Oh. oh, they've already been beaten by the Chiefs, right? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry about that. Don't jinx it. Are you kidding me? When you say something positive about something that you're doing or that's going on, the other person says, oh, don't say that. Are you kidding me? Don't, don't positively assert success. But it's okay to talk down and talk trash. There's something wrong with that because of those negative thoughts that have an effect on our life, worry, anxiety, anxiety. And the Bible talks about these worry and anxiety in 2 Corinthians 10. We'll get to it later. It calls them, calls it strongholds. Now let, let me tell you what a stronghold is. It is a neural network of dendrites. <clears throat> Write this down, or, or make a note in your Caroline Leaf L E A F. Caroline Leaf, and she wrote a book, and she got a lot of books out. Like, Who Switched Off My, Bra- My Brain is one of her books, Controlling Toxic Thoughts and Emotions. She is a neuroscientist from South Africa who now lives in America, Christian lady, and you can, you can see her on TED Talks, you can, you can go on YouTube. Um, but I'd encourage you to get the book. Get the book, Who Switched Off My Brain, because it will go into detail <clears throat> about things here that... I mean, I'm not a brain surgeon, so I can't give you all that kind of detail, but she knows all about that. Now, neuroscience has proven to us that we have strongholds. They actually have been able to determine how memories are formed. Remember I told you a moment ago, the neuron's got a, a sender and a receiver. So the sender doesn't have any accumulation of stuff that goes out, but the dendrite accumulates what comes in. So if you have thoughts if if you're a little kid and uh, a a big dog barks at you and bites at you you begin to have a uh, dendrite built of fear of dogs and and see there's an emotion coated with the memories and and then you see another dog when you're you're older and it looks scary and so you add to that dendrite and caroline leaf calls these are like trees these are like negative fear trees and the way these things work is that <clears throat> they're in your subconscious. When you see a dog or you're reminded of it, then it accesses this tree, this dendrite tree, and it's got strong emotions with it, and so you get scared and breathe heavy even though you're looking at Chihuahua. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You actually physically, chemically, electrically build a stronghold could be a fear but there's also a stronghold of love for your mate stronghold of uh, love for the outdoors you you choose you can control your thoughts it's really up to you what you think and you can build a stronghold of fear or of faith it's up to you but if most of our thoughts if 60 70 percent of our thoughts are negative then guess what that stronghold is likely to be fear of the <clears throat> fear of other people desire for other people's approval which leads me to be afraid you won't like me the bible says jesus says follow my commands follow the commands of jesus anybody against that what's the main command of jesus you ready the most common command of Jesus? Don't be afraid. <laughs> you got it? Uh, is that simple? Don't be afraid. Yeah, but I've got a test tomorrow. I've got a, uh, a, a scan coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, but I'm supposed to present in my office. Yeah, but Yeah, but don't be afraid. So what do you do when you have something out there that you can't figure how you can handle on your own, and there's a gap, and the gap is failure. I can do this much about that thing I'm facing, financially, medically, whatever, but I don't have enough to, to actually come up to and take care of the issue. So in other words, you have thought it through, and that's cool, that's planning, that's figuring it out, analyzing, but the best you can do after about 37 times is you still have a gap, you can't do it. And that gap is a fear gap. Or it can be a faith gap. You can say, God, I've got this coming due. I've got this coming up. I've tried every way in the world to figure out how I can handle it. No way can I figure out how I can do it. Moses, you know, who am I? I can't figure out how I can do it. But God, I trust that you will be with me in that gap and you will see me through it you may change circumstances. You may fill me with strength and courage. You may give me wisdom. Somehow we will, by your power, get through that. Does that make sense? You can have a fear gap or or a faith gap. And a worry gap will eat you up. Am I right? Because after 37 times of trying to figure out how you can do it, You spend now the next thousand times anticipating the worst-case scenario of what is going to happen when you're not able to do it. And that'll eat you up. We had a memorial service for my friend Dan Voorhees yesterday. Literally let himself be eaten up with the fear gap. I think you can finally even get a a copy of the... uh, service yesterday and hear more about what happened with him. So how do we get out, how do we get out of this? We renew our minds, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. If you're on social media, what is the pattern of thinking of this world, if that's all the evidence that you had? Positive, negative? Well, it's putting people down, and a lot of people, you see the incredible meal they had uh, on the beach last night. And, and, and you're, you're eating Stouffer's. I, I, you, you, you're at home, you're on the couch, you know, and you got a bag of Cheetos, and, and they're on the beach, and you see their meal. How does that make you feel? Uh, how about the news, uplifting news? Political, whatever it may be. The pattern of the world is a negative thought pattern evidenced by the, what they found of people's negative thoughts, negative thinking, renewing your mind, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wouldn't you love to have your brain detailed? (laughs) How do you renew your mind? One thought at a time. One thought at a time. I'm going to tell you something that not many people know, and people that know it don't believe it. You can control your thoughts. Most people think that thoughts are like a stampede of wild horses come galloping through, and you've got to follow them, and you just sort of develop wherever it goes. No, that's not true at all. There's only one person on the planet who's in charge of your brain, and that's you. Probably not very often, but that is you. You can control your thoughts one thought at a time. And if you have a worry thought coming into your mind, what do you do with that worry thought? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 tell us to take those thoughts captive to Christ. You become a border inspection agent to the doorway of your mind. And the thought comes in, you know, you're going to fail so miserably. You're such a clutch you and everything, right? You sort of, Can I see your credentials, please? I, and you, oh, wait a minute. That is a negative thought putting me down. I don't think I want to take that. Jesus, take this captive, please. And I will accept my identity in you as the beloved of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for me. I am a beloved. I am full of the Spirit. I have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You can just take that and take it away. Now, you've got to do that every one because three seconds later, da, 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 what a clutch. You're, you're so miserable. Nobody like, you. wait just a second. Let me see those credentials. In other words, you've got to start paying attention to what you think. Think about what you think. And turn your thoughts, turn your mind to Jesus. Turn your mind to your Heavenly Father and His love. I go to to the 23rd Psalm. That's my go-to. And I see the Good Shepherd. I see the meadow. I see the Good Shepherd. I see Him caring for me. Still waters, green grass. I'm laying there. I'm snoozing when it's time or and I'm in a difficult time of worry, I cast my cares up on him. Not perfectly. Uh, I don't think anybody does it perfectly, but sometimes they get through. You have to grab them inside and say, get out of there. I'm not, you, I'm not letting you come in there and party. You'll bring your friends. Get out of there. You take them out. You reject them. You inspect and reject and redirect. I've given you Dr. Caroline Leaf's name. Um, Two books by Greg Boyd that spoke here at our church when this book came out, Seeing is Believing, will help you learn biblical meditation to dwell in the presence of God and experience his love. Escaping the Matrix. Did you see the movie a long time ago? It's kind of old. You can get it on Netflix or wherever. Um, Escaping the Matrix exposes the pattern of the world and how to get out of it. I don't want you leaving here just saying, you know, that was such a good sermon, Pastor Doug. Um, I want you to take this as a place to start digging and working with your study Bible, with YouTube, with TED Talks, with books. It is time for you to get off your ass and get to work. I would say that around the campfire. I'm not going to say that in church. (coughs) But I'm serious about this. If you leave here and you just have a thought this afternoon, you know that was okay. But if Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you get your Bible, you have a place, you sit down, you order a book, you get a TED Talk and you say, I am taking control of my mind because if I don't, my mind is going to control me. I'm going to reject fear, insecurity, inability. I am going to accept faith in God and who I am, and I'm going to live triumphantly. I'm going to let all of my worries be subjected to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that surpasses all, all understanding will guard my mind in Christ Jesus. Don't stop till you get there. Keep fighting. Keep turning those worries to God until God's peace guards your mind. Fortunately, we have evidence of his care and love for us, his desire to transform us because this bread represents his body that was broken for us, and the cup represents his blood that was shed for us. So when you're in the battle, you can know he has already leveraged his life for you. And the Holy Spirit brings to you all the benefits that he died for and rose again for. Let's pray. Lord God, we we don't want to be lazy Christians. We want to learn and discern. Help us renew our minds. Help us follow Jesus' command. Don't be afraid. Help us to Break through and see what you want us to do. And know if you have called us, you have empowered us. If you've chosen us, you have given us what we need. And you will be with us. Father, I pray that each person here today will not settle for just letting the world dictate their thoughts. But they will begin to take control. Let your spirit move their thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen.